0: Now, I'm a privileged Euro-American male, so it probably isn't a surprise that I was surprised to learn recently about the incel movement. Incel is short for involuntarily celibate, and apparently the young man responsible for a terrorist attack in Canada that left 10 dead was active in this online group. I'm surprised not at the rage and misogyny that the group exhibits, that's part and parcel of adolescent male culture, unfortunately, but I am surprised by the fact that such a group exists in the form that it does exist. Murderers have often been called loners, but now it appears those loners are part of online groups. Social movements have gone micro and overt. The 20th century social scientist, Eric Fromm, would not be as surprised as I was, I think. Having watched large parts of Europe descend into fascism during the 1930s and having escaped Nazism, Fromm closely studied why such a turn had occurred. His answer is a book titled Escape from Freedom. The thesis of Fromm's book, is, and excuse the sexist language of the time, quote, that modern man freed from the bonds of pre-individualistic society, which simultaneously gave him security and limited him, has not gained freedom in the positive sense of the realization of his individual self, that is, the expression of his intellectual, emotional, and sensuous potentialities. Freedom though it has brought him independence and rationality, has made him isolated and thereby anxious and powerless. End quote. Now, how to deal with this freedom? So, Fromm goes on. Quote, This isolation is unbearable, and the alternatives he is confronted with are either to escape from the burden of his freedom into new dependencies and submissions, or to advance to the full realization of positive freedom, which is based upon the uniqueness and individuality of man," End quote. I'll say that again. The alternatives he is confronted with are either to escape from the burden of freedom into new dependencies and submissions, or to advance to a full realization of positive freedom, which is based upon uniqueness and individuality, end quote. New dependencies and submissions. Large numbers of Europeans in the 20s and 30s ran toward fascism. From watched that. In 2018, many in Europe and its former colonies, such as the US, are embracing right wing populism in its political and its online forms. Dependencies and submissions, such as incel. Eric Fromm mapped that journey. He understood that finding yourself offers the danger that you won't find anything there. Into that perceived vacuity then steps those dependencies and those submissions. And the easiest to trigger and the most damaging of human emotions, hatred, violence, even murder, we can be convinced and frightened into it. The answer, Fromm thought it is, quote, to advance to the full realization of positive freedom, which is based upon uniqueness and individuality. I guess it's learning there are more than three kinds of birds. Right? Now, it's a tall order when prefab identities like incel or fascist or white supremacist, et cetera, All those labels are there to be grasped. They float around us everywhere. It's a tall order because fear and resentment and dependency are easier than introspection and self-awareness. Yet, just as in Fromm's time, true uniqueness and individuality are the the positive and the peaceful alternatives to that freedom. Julia Ward Howe, had intuited the insights that Eric Fromm outlined a century before he did. Howe had been born into the social location in which women were expected to be social butterflies and ornaments of powerful men. Instead, she chose a life of social activism. I should mention that she did have six children and a domineering philandering husband, by the way. Julia was raised in a strict Calvinist Episcopal church. She wrote later, quote, I studied my way out of all the mental agonies which Calvinism can engender and became a Unitarian, End quote. <laughs> she was not just a run-of-the-mill Unitarian, however. She attended the services of Unitarian minister Theodore Parker, who preached at his scandalously informal church in the Boston Music Hall. Reverend Parker was, parenthetically, so unpopular with his Unitarian ministerial colleagues, both for his liberal religious views and for his denunciation of slavery, that he was forced to preach his own installation sermon. No one else (laughs) would attend. Both Parker and Howe knew something well, however, and that is religion is not the snooze button on life's alarm clock. Religious thinking is not about saying, oh, man, I love my sleep. Religion and philosophy are the alarm on life's alarm clock. You wake up or you don't. You get introspective and find personal positive freedom, or you choose the many submissions that our society offers to you. To live a compassionate life, a life of care for humanity, living things and the planet, is to find meaning and purpose, yes, but also to be in a state of constant discomfort, constant vigilance, to live in the opposite of of, uh, complacency. While slavery existed, Julia Ward Howe believed that the sword was necessary. After slavery had been abolished, Howe believed that it was time to turn to peace in the rightings of the wrongs created by white patriarchy. Her proclamation of a Mother's Day of Peace activism was the result of that new thinking. Howe said that a woman should be, quote, a free agent, fully sharing with man every human right and every human responsibility, which sounds a lot like Eric Frome. In 1893, at the now famous Parliament of World Religions at the Chicago World's Fair, how did another thing women didn't do in those days? She preached a sermon, and she called it, what is religion? She said, quote, religion is not magic. That's the first thing, Ma- religion is not magic. And then she went on to condemn religious leaders who treat religion as if it is some kind of magic and they are the initiates of it. She said, quote, I think nothing is religion which puts one individual absolutely above others. And surely nothing is religion which puts one sex above another, End quote. She goes on to say, any religion which will sacrifice a certain set of human beings... For the enjoyment or aggrandizement or advantage of another is no religion. It is a thing which may be allowed, but it is against true religion. Any religion which sacrifices women to the brutality of men is no religion, End quote. Hmm. We've got some no religions out there still. Julia Ward Howe may have been a bit naive when she wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. She was 43 years of age at those, in those days. Uh, you know, the grapes of wrath and the fateful lightning and the terrible swift sword that we sang in grade school, perhaps. But at age 74, when she spoke at the Parliament of Religions, she had been through the ringer of American politics. It was Reverend Parker who first used the phrase, the arc of the universe, and speculated that it bends toward justice. But Parker was dead before the Civil War even began. It was Julia Ward Howe who saw that the abolition of slavery did not bring equal rights or equal opportunities to those former slaves. Howe saw African-American men being disenfranchised from the vote in large parts of the United States, even as white women got closer to voting rights. In Howe's day, the immorality of racialized slavery was stopped in the United States, but the genocide of the native population went on, and patriarchy went on, and African-Americans slowly lost the freedoms that they had gained by war. Perhaps Hal finally realized that thinking that we will ever get to that promised land called a just society is a fool's paradise. But she also realized we can't stop trying. I think Hal saw just how complicated a proposition gaining and living into freedom really is. She gained her fame from writing a song that glorified violence, but she lived to see how little had changed through that violence. She wrote, the sword is not the balance of justice, Requoting her words from that fateful, terrible sword to the sword is not the balance of justice. She died before women won the right to vote, but her lesson reaches to us across the years. And it's, not, it's that not only is patriarchy never going to smash itself, as we say is our title today, but that our values are the alarm, not the snooze button on life's alarm clock.
1: As Julia Ward Howe says, arise then, women of this day. Today, we are going to take a hard look at patriarchy. And in doing so, there are so many strong female-identifying people I want to celebrate on this day, Mother's Day. Married moms and single moms, moms who don't conform to gender norms, moms of color, moms who are middle class, who are upper class, and who are impoverished old moms and young moms, moms who are no longer moms, women who never wanted to be mothers, women who wanted to become moms but couldn't. I want to lift up those who have moms, those who have lost moms, those who have relationships with their moms, and those who don't. You are all held today. And in lifting up all of you beautiful people in this room, I want to explore why motherhood is pushed upon us at all. As a young woman in my late 20s, I can say I see this pressure regularly. I see my friends and colleagues dealing with this pressure regularly, at least the ones who identify as female. Now, I always saw myself as having children, but recently I had a revelation. I asked myself, do I really want to be a mom? Do I? This was a new question for me and a new way of thinking. And even at this thought, I felt a grief and a fear because for all my life I heard that I would be a mother. Motherhood is ingrained in our culture and in cultures throughout the world. While there is a slow shift in culture, often women are primed to be mothers and socialize, they think they belong in the house cooking and cleaning. We live in a culture of patriarchy. Men hold the power. In this society with gender norms, people who identify as women face challenges due to this patriarchy, such as feeling a woman is only worth her looks, being scared to walk to her car at nights, not getting a job she is qualified for, making less than a man, or having men dictate birth control laws. Folks who identify as female face this every single day. Women are socialized to feel less than. Gender norms are established culturally and begin at birth, whether this is through gendered toys like Barbies, gender roles learned at school or in movies, books, TVs, roles learned through peers and family members. This socialization and impact of culture is everywhere. Take a look at commercials. Commercials show us proper gender norms. Women portrayed as mothers cleaning up their child's messes with top-of-the-line paper towels. Or women who are portrayed as mothers using laundry detergent to clean up their children's stained t-shirts. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, A Nigerian author writes, I note that there is gendered language. We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you would threaten the man. Because I am female, I am expected to aspire to marriage. I am expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. This statement emphasizes that girls are to submit to men, to be less than men, and to aspire to be of use to men. It emphasizes succinctly so much of our culture, so much of the less than that we know so much about. Gender norms permeate into all cultures. National Geographic recently offered voices of nine-year-olds who identified as female from around the world. The words of these children show how early in life women identifying folks understand the power of patriarchy in cultures around the globe, highlighting patriarchy in politics and in beauty standards. Tommy Warbonnet of South Dakota tells the magazine, the worst thing about being a girl is that you can't do the things that boys do. Like, it kind of bothers me how there was not one girl president. This young girl's statement clearly points at the immediacy around our leaders being overwhelmingly male. While worldwide things are improving, 50% 50% of countries globally have been led by female, up from 38% in 2006, there is still a lot of work to be done. Listen to the voice of Fang Wang, a nine-year-old girl from China. Sometimes I secretly help my brother on the farm. Mom whacks me when she finds out. She says that girls who do these things will grow calluses on their hands, and become ugly. Young Fang feels the societal pressure for beauty. Another young girl already sees herself as a sex object. Noir of Kenya says you are seduced wherever you go. You are chased by men. If you go to fetch water, you are chased. If you go to collect firewood, you are chased. None of these quotes is unique to the culture the children represent. Young Noir's sentiments are echoed in the Me Too movement taking off internationally. There are numbers behind this statement. 120 million girls around the globe have experienced sexual violence. 16 million girls aged 15 to 19 gave birth each year equal to 10% of all global births. Over 700 million women and girls alive today were married before their 18th birthday. So from a very young age, girls hear what is expected of them. Whether they hear this from a cousin or a friend or a TV character, girls everywhere are hearing these narratives. And this socialization highlights motherhood. Being a mother can be a beautiful experience. It can be life-altering, life-affirming. And being a mother can be hard. Choosing not to be a mother can be extremely rewarding life. It can also be hard. No matter what, all of these women are here today and in this room. And all of these women have been socialized to be less than. But things may be beginning to change. Nine-year-old Michaela McDonald from Ottawa, Canada says, there isn't anything I can't do because I'm a girl. Everyone is equal. There is always the same amount of opportunities for everyone but in the olden days, everyone wasn't equal. Let's take hope from Michaela and work together to smash the patriarchy. Let it be known the work we still have to do. As Howe says, arise then women of this day. We need to come together to dismantle these gender binaries and gender norms and empower all young children. We need to compliment children not on their looks, but on their abilities. And encourage children of all genders to follow their dream jobs, not the jobs prescribed to them by their gender. It is important to encourage kids of all genders to be kind, to encourage female-identified folks the value of being competitive and assertive and allow male-identified children to be emotional, to teach equality, to model equality, and to fight for equality. No one is less than. So let's gather together and smash the patriarchy for this new generation.